Podcast 118, a Hey Arnold re-education where every week two lifelong friends gather to rewatch, review, and relive every single episode and movie of the classic Nicktoon Hey Arnold. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Asuncion, and I think my mic and sounds I'm better. I'm Sean, and you sound good. Thank you. Cool. Sweet. Yeah. Thank you again for the pre-show troubleshooting. That was much, much appreciated. Uh, before That's what I'm here for. Yes, yes, it Tech is. Tech support, Sean. <laughs> Before we get into the proceedings, um, I just want to give a real special shout out. We ha- um, this is like I think I forgot if I mentioned before, but this is like my third foray into podcast into the podcasting world, and uh, for the first time ever, uh, I have a podcast where uh, some people I don't know at all, some complete strangers, are listening to the show. So that feels pretty good. So I just wanted lovable to- randos. Woo! I just wanted to shout out. Uh, Damn, we gotta come up with, gotta come up with like a, a listener fandom name. I don't want to just go with Mr. Simmons with like special people, but although that would be weirdly yeah, let's random. Not do we'll, that let's one. figure that. Yeah, I know. We'll, <laughs> let's, we'll come let's up. Not do that one. <laughs> we'll come up with something better than that. But so yeah, I just want to say uh, thank you. Some kind words to uh, you know. I think um, so these people. Uh, these people found us on Twitter at PC118Pod, just as you can find us on Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, so I just wanted to give a special shout out to uh, Weller, who wrote, who DM'd us and said, uh, love the episode. Can't wait to listen as the series progresses on. Thumbs up emoji. So thank you again, Weller, for the kind words. And uh, Lucas, who, uh, you know, very generously said, I will be checking out the episodes as they come out for sure. Thanks for doing the podcast in the first place and helping to spread the goods of Hey Arnold. And the goods are the goods are really gonna come in the next season one's really about to just take off take off on on firing on all cylinders like Tom mm. Cruise actually shooting his plane off of the aircraft carrier. So I'm pretty excited. This is kind of like the pre turning point. I'm I'm just super stoked for the next one, frankly. But you know, yeah. we'll be present one thing at a time. You know, yeah. it's been like the first the first five episodes are the pilot, right? <laughs> like we're we're point. getting to know everybody. We're giving everybody their time. And yeah, then, it's uh, like Game of Thrones or something. A while. You're just like getting exactly. yeah, you're getting the lay of the land. You're like, where's this? Where the hell are we in Westeros? What part of Hillwood is this? Like, with simpler names. What's Grandma doing this time? You know. We'll get to Grandma first, but uh, we're gonna. But first, we're gonna re uh, revisit everyone's favorite, ornery blonde, unibrowed, nine-year-old girl. Yes, nine-year-old. We're nine years old. So uh, episode old. four, part A, is Helga's makeover. Originally aired October sixteenth, nineteen ninety-six, and uh, this one actually, it's uh, kind of all women at the helm creatively, which makes perfect sense given the. Uh, nature of the story. So this was written by Rachel Littman, directed by Kelly James and Julie Murphy Hashiguchi. Due to her tomboyish nature, Helga is the only girl who is not invited to Rhonda's slumber party. Feeling left out, she gives herself a makeover and goes to it anyway. I really want—I wanted to get this off my chest while it was fresh in my mind. This mo- mm. this episode starts with Rhonda Wellington Lloyd. Uh, I've been watching mm. a lot of Arthur. In my spare time, she's the she's kind of the Muffy of the of Hey Arnold, or Muffy is the Rhonda of Arthur, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, did you did I hear you say that you had a childhood crush on Rhonda? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Boss me around, please. <laughs> okay, then. All right. Um, in the present, or in your adolescent or young adult life, correct me if I'm wrong. To bring a little more Nickelodeon synergy into the proceedings, you also <laughs> have. A bit of a bias towards Ty Lee from Avatar: The Last Airbender, correct? one hundred percent. Okay, yes, absolutely. Well, more than a bias. More than a bias. Okay, well, there you go because they're voiced by the same girl. <laughs> That's what I'm fucking talking about. <laughs> Hell yeah! So shout out to a Olivia- Michael. Thank you. You're welcome. And so I was like, oh, maybe there's a kind of a connection there. So you know, shout out to Olivia Hack. If you've also you ever see those Brady Bunch movies from the mid '90s, also, did you, you ever get around to those? <laughs> 
Those are freaking <laughs> classics. I don't know if I've gotten to all of them. Okay, but I know exactly at least one. Okay, so she plays. Okay, she plays the youngest sister. She plays Cindy. The one with the little hmm. lisp, and it's like, "Mommy told me that it's bad to tattletale. Have you seen my kitty Carol doll?" <laughs> those are, those movies are really amazing though too. Cause well, I think cause the uh, the brother. Quick aside, just the brother is um, the '90s Spider-Man, and he was Prince Eric hmm. in Little Mermaid. So, but he doesn't really change his voice. So it's like, I just see he's like, "Hey, groovy chick, you're happening in far out ways." I just hear quick in the mid '90s plug. If you haven't, go check out the Brady Bunch movie and a very Brady sequel. They make light of a lot of incest jokes, but they're step siblings, so I guess it's okay. But this isn't the Brady Bunch podcast. Yeah, absolutely. What foresight of them to to peg that uh, step. Step relationships it, would be popular. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Mm. All right then. So yeah, this Curious. one. <laughs> God. Oh, I just I can just relax now because I'm not like way up on my microphone, unlike last week. This is super liberating. So th- thank. Yeah, you, you don't feel like you have to unspool your notebook <laughs> no. out of nervousness. <laughs> that was literally. Sorry, I'm yeah. just gonna jump immediately. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, and I'm gonna stop apologizing too. Phoebe unspooling her notebook like out of sheer nerves talking to Helga is my nightmare. Like how bad must it be to get to that point where you do something that's completely irreversible to something that's also pivotal to your character. <laughs> like That's a good point. Phoebe's never not without a notebook of some sort. I think eventually we see her transition to like a composition book or something. But hmm. yeah, here she's just got the little steno pad with the uh, which I I'm very familiar with because I use those all the yeah. time for work. So yeah, with the little mm-hmm. spirals at the top. But yeah, the thong thong, and yeah, you you start to this one's cool because you start to get more the, on both sides you start to get more a sense not only of Helga as an individual and what her sort of internal life and her own hangups are outside of her hmm. love for Arnold. She doesn't go into like an Arnold monologue once this episode, which is I think, that's a, it kind of breaks the streak in terms of the yeah. previous. Helga centric episodes that we've seen but we also get to see just the groups the boy group and the girl group sort of at large a little bit more which is kind of cool in terms of fleshing out just sort of the larger world of the cliques and things like that you know the both groups kind of get swept up in the same in their own way they both get sort of swept up in their own evenings in in different ways altogether yeah and how they intercept is really fun too Mm -hmm. (laughs) obviously we'll talk about that a little bit later but it felt like it was long overdue as well. Like long overdue is dramatic, but to let the girls come into their own as well. Cause we've had so many episodes that focus on like the guys individually guys and their friendships. Um, and I almost feel like a lot of the guys have the stronger, more like apparent personality traits mm-hmm. of the entire cast um, at large. So it was good. It was really good to see um, something focused on the girls. Yeah, and everybody get it. Everyone kind of gets their own little moment too. I think, yeah. Then, which is, yeah, which I really appreciate because we've had so much focus on Arnold and Gerald, sort of just their their one, their sort of two man show or Helga alone. So we start to see more again. Harold being a frequent scene stealer, which is almost consistent. Like anytime Harold opens yeah. his mouth, you're gonna have you're gonna have a good time with it. You know. Yes. Um, absolutely. Stinky being like, please don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> like Sid, uh, not stinky sorry Sid yeah Sid and you know yeah. which again even is a little kind of indicative of he is actually kind of mousy like and whatnot and he doesn't have mm. that much of a spine like never mind like Arnold but like Sid is Sid buckles like like yeah. a seat belt <laughs> you know we'll see we'll see that though but it was nice to just get that one little <laughs> that one little bit which I found really funny. I'm going to send you an in-between I, that I found really funny yeah. of uh, Helga shoving Eugene out of the way so she could catch the f- uh, fly ball instead. Please do. Will do. Hold on. You can keep talking. i got to find um, Discord's weird for me, but... Oh, no problem. Yeah. This, the, the baseball scene was really funny, too, because you get the Helga's not a girl dance, which Harold starts up, <laughs> which this is another example of Harold exactly another example of Harold being the one that kind of like leads the band <laughs> oh wow she completely toppled Eugene off his center of gravity <laughs> yeah well done 
But yeah, re yeah, regarding... His head's kind of shaped like a bomb. It is. Well, no, it's actually... I remember seeing, like, a drawing... Wait, are you talking about uh, Eugene's or Harold's head? I mean, I guess both of them. <laughs> so I saw, I saw like, a, a drawing tutorial, and the... I think maybe it was Craig Bartlett or one of the other artists who said that Eugene's... They tried to look at, like, household objects or, like, grocery or pantry items as inspiration for people's head shapes, so... Harold's mm. head is was based on a squash, I think, or a mm. bean, or you know, a bean or something. And then yeah. Eugene's is a can of bean, like an, an aluminum can where you sort of open it partially oh, and, and bend bend the bend the top of it up. So I love that yeah. clever, very yes, some good stuff. But yeah, the Helga's mm. not a girl scene. Like again, these kids are so prone to chant. You know, that's a running thing. I think we should maybe we should keep track of. The number Chess. of times kid, the kids just break into spontaneous <laughs> chanting because we had we had stoop kids not gonna leave his stoop, stoop kids yeah. gonna leave his stoop. Helga's not mm -hmm. a girl. We have perhaps maybe the most iconic chanting moment of the show in about two episodes. So maybe we should mm -hmm. be tracking that as well. But yeah, every almost everybody joins in. Like surprisingly, Gerald's not yeah. like him and Arnold are ch chilling on the stoop. But even Brainy, Eugene. Uh, Iggy, like, even they have the balls to, like, go try to jump on the Helga's Not a Girl bandwagon. And every time I watch this, I, I just think to myself, okay, it's super mean in practice, but I kind of wish I had experienced that once as a kid to be able to take part in a mocking sing-along slash chant at another person's expense. <laughs> like, it's just those things that you see in TV <laughs> that or TV or movies, and you're just like, how come this hasn't happened yet? I mean, I've, I've been, I'm just waiting, I'm just waiting for this to happen. It's like John Mulaney's bit about how he wondered, like, why isn't sand, uh, quicksand a bigger hazard in real life? Like, every movie I've seen, people are always like, oh my gosh, watch out, it's quicksand. Obviously, there's a layer of it that's meant to be just a little bit fantastic and, yeah. and out of touch from reality, but this breaking into chant at the expense of somebody else does seem like it's something that is very very plausible to happen in the real world mm -hmm. so um did you want to say anything else about the helga's not a girl chant sir uh nothing except park was the best dancer of the group for sure well how, yeah how was he dancing again i was trying to look everyone was kind of doing the same like you know teetering back and he, forth he was definitely like he was basically hitting the Dougie, like essentially. He was like doing the whole like <laughs> like sweeping over. He kind of okay. He kind of was, yeah. That's a, he was killing it. That's yeah. a really good point. That's a really good point. How do you think Helga intended to goof on the geeks at the video arcade? How would how would one do that? Like <laughs> jostle people while they weren't, you know, while they're too busy looking at the game? Because that did happen to me once in high school. I was peeing, yeah, uh, at the boy at the in the boys' bathroom and one of the upperclassmen we were friends so it's fine but he just came up behind me i was vulnerable i was busy uh with my own joystick as it were but he just like gently grabbed me by the hips and just started like jostling me back and forth and i felt so violated <laughs> it's either gonna be that or just like knocking quarters off of the cabinets That's to true. ruin the like the order, order. yeah <laughs> okay yeah. there's not a whole lot there's not a whole lot you can do there that's for sure yeah. No. Really definitely not. Or or you could be a dick and like if somebody's playing I think by this point in time I think at least the first time crisis had probably come out she could like oh, be like yeah just swiping people's heads or while people are waiting while people go into you know the reload position but then pop them back out or force yeah force their foot onto the uh, the pedal so they're always in action. You know that would be pretty yeah. messed up. That'd be pretty cold-blooded. Damn, I miss Time Crisis. As do I. So, okay then. And uh, yeah, the, it was interesting seeing another, seeing different locations too. For some reason, I just always, mm. yeah, the, the grocery store, which I guess Gerald's mom works at, was interesting in terms of Helga putting the candy in the paper bag. And I've always just thought like, how come in cartoons, candy being eaten straight out of, out of a paper bag always looks so appetizing? <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> But she's yeah. got like nerds in there, a chocolate bar, and and whatnot. And it was like a crunch bar too, which yeah. is like, I would say one of the one of the top tier Hershey offerings. First, I prefer Hershey. the mini. The mini ones are probably a little more where it's at for me. But yeah, her like crunch Hershey crunch bars are pretty pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. Or Nestle crunch rather. Yeah, they're up there. Yeah. <laughs> Can't advocate for Nestle. I'm gonna I'm gonna give this one to Hershey. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Crunch bars. 
Fair enough. Sean, uh, I am curious. Mm. In like a, a, a main theme of this episode is kind of like that pressure to sort of live up to your these sort of socialized gender expectations of kind of the mainstream, whatever that may be for you. Was there ever any mm. points in your youth where you were maybe considered not boy enough? Oh, interesting. That's a tough one for my childhood because, um, as you know, I went to a like I went to a Christian academy. So as opposed to like not a boy enough, it was like not Christian enough. Okay, that's or... that's that's pretty pressuring <laughs> or... in and of itself, man. Dude. Yeah, absolutely. Wait, so yeah. are you saying um, among your are you saying your peers were like scrutinizing? Yeah, well, really. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, I told you the day I got suspended for wearing Pokemon shoes in second grade. Okay. And if I didn't, I got suspended for wearing Pokemon shoes in second grade. <laughs> Because pocket monsters are of the devil. Well, it's Sean. because well, a, a core element of the Pokemon brand is the concept of evolution. Is worshiping Satan. That too. That too. Fair enough. Okay, that's really interesting. So there was like, your your equivalent of Harold be like, Sean's not. You can't really distill it in, into so much like sing songies. But I don't know what they would have said. But I had a I had an experience in the fourth grade where I think. You know, I was never the most athletic or whatever. You know, I mean, we played soccer together, but I didn't really hit my stride until like seventh. Everybody knows that. But, uh, <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, in fourth grade, I was I was really close friends with this girl in my class named Sam, and you mm. know, we hung out a lot. There was like a good stretch of time for like one or two weeks, one to three weeks, where we were like spending the majority of our recesses together. But you know, in classic stereotypical, you know, little rascals, he-man, woman haters fashion, like all these boys were giving yeah. me crap about it. So yeah, I think I kind of just caved to that and I stopped hanging out with her. And, you know, to this day, I still feel really bad about it. Like we were still, Ooh. you know, we were cool, you know, but we didn't really talk much anymore after that. So, you know, if she ever hears this, Sam, you were cool as hell. I'm sorry I stopped hanging out with you. I should not have, you know, boys, boys by and large are pretty terrible especially the ones that I went to school with. So this mm. this episode definitely brings up. It's not very, but I guess that's the point. The boys are, are the foils. They're kind of like the fools of this of this whole bit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They get pranked. They do pretty hard. hard. <laughs> that is a great that is a great shot, though. Them them mugging in the in the window. Yeah. yeah. And like what's funny <laughs> is even Arnold is is down with it. Like he's very just kind of yeah, why not? I guess. Yeah, and, because Arnold's an asshole. He wears the same he wears the same uh, outfit that him and grandma that him and grandma uh, bust Lockjaw out in. Oh shoot! Yeah, and, is John Lennon in pantyhose on his head? That was I was gonna ask you who do you who's you, who has the best like nighttime variant. I do like this episode too because you get to see all the kids in different in like alternate costumes. Uh, yeah, they Iggy <laughs> John Lennon. Sorry. Yes, Joey Cox. Sorry, that's his name. Open up your that's mind to new experience like us, because we are the Beatles. <laughs> uh, Iggy, Iggy is a POS. We, we'll we'll kind of, I think we'll learn that in like the third season. But yes, he's he's not. He wasn't just wearing a stocking. They took a whole. I saw there's a whole their, their little suit up moment, right? They take out a whole thing of pantyhose and they put the entirety of it over Iggy's body. <laughs> Which is pretty great. I was uh I was wondering too, yeah, Gerald is just wearing his he's either wearing just wearing his clothes or a darker shade of red. It's kinda hard to tell. Is it it's weird. He's just he's like he's like not bother he didn't bother to change. He's still wearing his usual thing, which is I think is really funny. I'm not sure though. It's yeah. definitely a darker shade of red. I wanna believe that he just has the same shirt in different like tints Maybe. and hues. Maybe of maroon and deep red. Another thing that got brought to mind to me though was you know, we were Funnily enough, we were talking about Tropic Thunder, where uh, that that line where Lincoln says like, "Me and Alp was already wearing," Earth. I can't even fucking say it. Me and Alp was already wearing Earth Mama's natural <laughs> night camo. <laughs> cool it, Benson. I hate it. I hate they're it so bad. Well, yeah, they're all wearing, I guess, camouflage because they're trying oh, to yeah. be secretive and covert and everything. <laughs> and Brainy, Absolutely. Brainy's still like, uh, hi. <laughs> I mean, he has the whole army good. helmet too. Good for him. Yeah, for sure. He's 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 ready for it. <laughs> I'm sorry, I just can't <laughs> stop looking at Iggy's stupid face, <laughs> and his nose is compressed he looks, too. He looks like one of the Beats too from from uh, Doug, but they are also obviously modeled <laughs> after the Beatles. So so I guess it works both ways. 
<laughs> oh my god. Yeah. It was kind of fucked up how Rhonda was acting like a monkey to imitate Helga. She kind of was. She was like lumbering was around. Lumber- <laughs> yeah. But, you know, Helga does kind of, Helga has a wide stride as she's huffing down, huffing down the sidewalk, lamenting, not being invited, getting to her. To the tune of the timpani. Yeah, I was going to say, it, the Mickey Mousing on the timpani was super strong. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, in a show with such an iconic soundtrack, most people probably think of saxophones when you hear, when you think of Hey Arnold or cool little Rhodes keyboards or whatever. But I think the timpani might be the unsung hero of the of the orchestration throughout this show. Mm. Yeah. It's that alongside all of the other just little like foley effects added to, yes. <laughs> to yeah. things happening. Yeah. I I mean I really want I mean I don't we're we're obviously not we don't shy away from cursing on this show, but it would be so funny if I could pull the audio just for that like dramatic that like anytime we curse <laughs> or if there's we no can just get a rip of every single sound and put it over <laughs> my sailor mouth that would be really great yeah then no the other thing too what the okay so when they open the door on <laughs> when they open the door and we see that reveal of post makeover helga it's yeah. timpani plus i think cowbell and like some it kind is. of slide whistle situation. Yeah. <laughs> and it's but within it's actually yeah, if you think about it, it's like a weird zanier version of like a cat call, like or the like the sort of wolf whistle that you think of yeah. from like Tex Avery cartoons or something like that. Mm. But it's yeah, it's just this super try hard, like, you know, she's but because before that we have the the all close up makeover montage with the kind of slightly pornographic music playing in the background with gibberish french i believe it was 100 percent gibberish it was but again very good music like no for real for real you're kind of like and you really think i can't it kind of uh entrances you in terms of like oh how's this going to turn out is she Mm -hmm. you know is she a fire engine red or a uh blushy pink coral (laughs) pink or whatever it is you know (laughs) And tell you what, Nadine is definitely a coral. I think I would say that she is for sure. Uh, and Helga gets away with the. Uh, she actually says, "What a load of crap," which is real, like, which is she cool. Does. I yeah, that was really. I did not expect that at all. That's probably my favorite back and forth in the episode is when she bumps into the guy. She's like, "I'm a girl. I'm pretty. I'm feminine. I'm delicate." Excuse me, young man. I'm a girl. <laughs> oh, excuse me, young man. <laughs> it's just... Very out of place. <laughs> Nothing like, about Helga like appears or reads as young man, so it's just such a rub in the face. It oh, really man. is. <laughs> God, there's another good moment of that too. When when I forget exactly what she says, but like when uh when Phoebe confronts her, I guess quote unquote in the bathroom. Oh yeah. Says, you're just jealous because I'm so feminine, <laughs> and then like, drink cola off of the sink and burps. No, and then yeah, the thing too is um. I was uh, this is probably me reading way too far into it, but so apparently, Craig Bartlett, the creator, his his sister, or something like that. He has he has a either way he has a by marriage affiliation with the Groening family, as in with Matt Groening, mm. who created The Simpsons. So yeah, that very distinct burp and like her, the her uh, squ- her mouth being all squiggly. Like I've t- I totally took that as like a Simpsons reference. The only mm. thing they were missing was her tongue kind of wiggling about as well too but yeah i think just uh in terms of helga's vocal performance yeah like she she, we we see a different side of her range too like there's this you know this happens more than once where she's kind of doing a bit or sort of trying to like adopt a different persona so here Mm. she has this kind of like the only way the only parallel i could draw to it was like i just wanted to hear all of her makeover hell makeover helga lines but read by Catherine O'Hara as Moira Rose. Mm. It's like, Rhonda, darling, good to see you for this uh, <laughs> nighttime soiree of adolescent, of pre-adolescent women. It's really hard to improv as Moira Rose, but that was my best try. <laughs> it's it's a it's a tall tall order. Yeah, I'll I'll give you credit where it's Thank due. Thank you. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Before we move on from that piece, uh, the couple of times an episode that I'll pull from my film degree. Um, right before the like kind of like pan to Helga uh in in the exact like burping moment, mm-hmm. it's a it's a really weird transition that's like 
reminiscent of a multiplanar one from the Renaissance Disney era movies hmm. where like Phoebe in the foreground just kind of like laterally slides off to the to the side while you zoom in on Helga. And it was really weird because there's none of those kind of like like dramatic cinematic tendencies in an episode yet. And it was like it threw me for a loop because that's the kind of stuff I'll end up fixating on is like, oh, that was intentional, but also why? Yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting it's point. Really weird. Yeah. And yeah. I think well it's interesting too. I'll like keep this, an eye is, out. this is the first besides we don't really get any sense of Phoebe and Helga. This is the first time since Downtown is Fruits where we even get any glimpses of Helga and Phoebe's dynamic and you really get it's interesting and of course it's all really played up for comedy but Helga, phoebe really is kind of helga's conscience or sort of the voice of reason kind of like bringing her back down to earth when she is she's kind of the only person who really can do that if at all uh besides yeah. arnold even if that's usually pretty inadvertent so yeah that sort mm-hmm. of you really get how much helga means to phoebe how much helga's opinion means to phoebe but also that kind of sense of set that sort of sense of betrayal is not the right word but of like hey what are you doing like you're this why are mm-hmm. you acting like this? Like that really comes across with Phoebe's performance and her sick uh Kipao looking thing that not unlike yeah. what Kirsten Dunst wore in Spider Man one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was a it was very, very, very cultural. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I I do appreciate uh, Helga cross it uncrossing and then crossing her legs. She's she's yes. she's what's the term? Manspreading? She totally manspreads yeah. the thing. And, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. And the little titters that she does to punctuate her sentences while she's in her slumber party she's like, huh? <laughs> Exactly. And that's exactly how the subtitle called it as well is A titter? Is... Oh nice. Perfect. <laughs> yep. Yeah, well I usually done. first my DVDs don't have subtitles while I'm pulling uh screen grabs, so I don't mm-hmm. I don't usually get that version of it even though i watched yeah. the episodes more than once but that's good to know that i was in the same i've got you covered there. with the with the uh really specific subtitling thank you for that <laughs> no problem you know uh, in terms of sound is another sound design element that i noticed how often i think they, they probably just do it all the time but how i noticed like wow they constantly be throwing things off screen and something shatters <laughs> whether it's trash yeah. cans <laughs> what i assume is you know porcelain fine china and yeah. maybe a cat yowling because it's an inner yeah. city environment. It's often, Very. which might be where in the what whatever episode I talked about them like throwing cats away from things might kind of been like something that blurred together for me. Grandma, grandma emptying her closet a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So real quick, well, um, maybe. So I don't have anything. I have something we can look at real quick just to top off this episode real quick. Mm. Um. If we don't have any other final, th- unless uh, you have any other thoughts to share. No, the only bullet I like to call out is uh, when when Helga kind of like stands up to the girls and is like <laughs> making all of her points about they don't have to conform to anything. She says, we're taller than the boys Bro. and all of them are. They truly are, which is which is legit. I mean, yeah. I was at a fifth grade graduation the other day. All the girl, the boys were small as heck for the most part. The, girl, the girls were all by and large pretty tall. And they don't have wrinkles. They don't have signs of aging. They don't. They don't. They really We're don't. We're nine years old. <laughs> the uh, I always wondered about the cucumbers on the eyes after seeing that for years on TV. Apparently, it, it's like... It's a real thing, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, it's a real thing, and it's it kind of sucks. It kind of alleviates the, the eye bags, like what people do with tea bags and whatnot. It's the same deal. Oh. Yeah. I've never tea bagged myself. No. You have to be pretty flexible to do that, man. Um, but yeah, let's wrap this uh, episode real quick with just a quick, uh, quick, uh, quick running gag tracker update on the yes. Helga Pataki glossary of sick burns. Um, mm. We're just going to run down the list here uh, up to now uh, uh, over the course of the last five episodes, five or six or yeah, four, six segments. Yeah. So this is the seventh. Um, we have geek bait. We're going to hear that a lot. Moron football head. Everybody knows that. Bucko, which might be my favorite. Uh, fat boy, boob, stick it in your ear, pal, which I, isn't an insult, but I do. Well, I guess, yeah, I do like that. Like, I'm, I'm going for like exceptional sentence burns, sentence length mm. burns as well. Pink boy. <laughs> she says that while inserting her finger into his exposed belly button. She, she does, so it's like, <laughs> yeah. That is that is a really like I mean that's a super iconic part of Hel- uh, Harold's character design though his his crop top it would yeah, he just absolutely. he'd look a lot less dumb and imposing if he was wearing a shirt that fit him correctly but yeah, his midsection's it's... always exposed like he's 
Will Ferrell. It's or necessary. Something. Like he's a baby forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, his he can do the, I, the I'm a little teapot dance and to set it to Helga's not a girl, like it's nobody's business, you know. Uh, <laughs> you big flummox, which is a nice. That was a, that was a pretty nice one. Uh, at what yeah. point did she say chicken butts? Because I missed that. You know, I just wrote it as I heard it, so okay. I can't. Uh, can't relate it to an exact moment. Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. So we'll we'll keep we'll keep that going. I'm really excited to see how how that one how that evolves over time as we go. All right. So moving on to the second second half of episode mm. four, Sean. I think I think you yeah I think you will have a lot to say about mm. this one. Uh, yes. The old building, written by Rachel Littman and Steve Vixton, directed by Kelly James and Jamie Mitchell. Arnold is caught in the middle when Grandma and Ernie argue over whether an old theater should be torn down or not. So this is the first time where we actually get to... Well, you don't... Well, actually, it's... Actually, I ju- it just dawned on me. You don't even know it until you get through halfway through the episode, you know, assuming these came in, came in in order, you know. Arnold, we see that Arnold is apprenticing with this... Uh, Danny DeVito esque individual <laughs> named Ernie, <laughs> um, and the art of demolition, uh, specifically the operation of a wrecking ball, which seems pretty fun in theory, but it's also really it's like kind of dangerous Mad putting putting dangerous. a nine year old boy at, behind the throttles and levers of a of a wrecking ball and dangerous very very and you don't learn until you know we can backtrack and talk about all this stuff at like the wrecking yard or whatever it's called, but. You don't you don't learn until as far as you know you're like oh Arnold is hanging out with this middle-aged man but mm-hmm. you don't learn until like halfway through that oh he lives in the boarding house too cuz otherwise yeah. it's it just comes off it's kind of jarring when you think about it <laughs> like we have hindsight of being like we know who all the boarding house members are but I wonder yeah like if anybody back then was like why is Arnold hanging out with this bald short dude like no <laughs> it was the coldest open we've gotten yet <laughs> Yeah, those. Are, I mean, it's a. I need to add it to the uh, the daydreams, but yeah, you get that. I do like that wide shot of Arnold just like, you know, pulling a Miley Cyrus and swinging back and forth on the wrecking balls, and Absolutely. that's uh, that brings our grand total for a number of times someone says someone or something outside of the opening sequence says, "Hey, Arnold," to twenty four. So we're doing pretty good mm. at just only a few episodes into the into the series run. I wonder what that's gonna math out to as an average per season per episode. Yeah, I, I'm gonna no, we're gonna we're gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna do That'll that be math. A fun pivot table. Absolutely, yes. Love those Excel classes. Absolutely. I uh, speaking of things we love, Dino mm-hmm. Spumoni, my God. Yes, my God. You called it accurately because I am a jazz o file to the maximum for a number of reasons. <clears throat> Dino is so phenomenal and I don't know who I have to give credit to or if it's the same people I continue to give credit to for the music, but You Broke My Heart follows a really complex jazz scale, a ridiculously complex one. I would use this song for vocal training. Seriously? Like, to warm up. Are you serious? <laughs> because again? it would test you to hit different notes. And Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Absolutely. It's been a while. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, this one is a great one. And then apparently the guy who voices Dino is known for is mm. a stand-up comic who's known for incorporating a Frank Sinatra impression into his routine. So I think, and yeah, that's where it just kind of comes off. You like Dino Spumoni always came off to me as like Frank Sinatra by way of like a little bit of Sylvester Stallone too. We'll see more of Dino yeah. as it goes, and you know, some mm. slightly less savory character traits, but you know that only makes for a more interesting character overall. You know? Absolutely makes the music good. Absolutely. Do you have like I don't a... stand by that statement? That was that was just a quip. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have like a favorite? You know, sort of like Sinatra track or like a Rat Pack adjacent jam at all? Oh God, yes, it's all the flies. So Fly Me to the Moon is a big one. Oh sure. Come uh-huh. Fly with Me is a close second. Um, oh man, there's so many good ones. Bossa Nova is not close enough to Rat Pack for this conversation, but mm-hmm. if uh, any of our listeners are not listening to Bossa Nova at least once a week. Uh, work that into it. Bossa Nova, I like. I, I I rock with Bossa Nova. Yeah, man. It, I can. I'll yeah. stand by that. Absolutely, girl from Ipanema. Um, so so good. I would have to go with. Uh, you make me feel so young, and um, mm. ain't that a kick in the head? I don't. I think that's Dean Martin. I forget, or it might be Frank. I keep. I always kind of mm. mix up the two a little bit. And the uh, the. <laughs> 
the walk hard rockabilly rendition of that's more. <laughs> where the moon yes. hits your eye like a big pizza <laughs> That's the mole ring. Bells will ring, jingling-a-ling, jingling-a-ling. So Pita bad. Bella. So bad. Did you know Spumoni is actually an Italian dessert? Like a traditional yes. Italian? Yes. I was at the old mm -hmm. spaghetti factory on a dinner date like six years ago, and I was like, Spumoni? Like, like Dino? Dino Spumoni? It was pretty mm -hmm. good. I enjoyed it. It's like a weird, it's like a hybrid of like gelatin and ice cream and cake, I think, or something like that. It's like a lot yeah. of different textures, but it's all pretty, it's served cold, so it's all good. I feel like that's the only like Italian dessert that sounds musical enough to be put next to a very. I'm, I'm not even going to continue the sentence. Dino is just the fitting name for the okay. character they're trying okay. to create. Okay, for sure. All right, we'll get we'll get we'll get there. And again, he's yeah. going to really live up more to to that as we get to know him better when he comes back around yeah. at a few points. Dino Calzone doesn't work. Dino Tiramisu. Oh my god. Oh, like, I don't know. Dino Dino D Panettone. That would have be been good. that'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Dino Mascarpone, dude. That that's that rolls off the tongue pretty good. Better than like Damn. Dino Gabagool, Dino Big Ziti, Dino Sparrow, <laughs> Dino Dino Big Ziti, Dino. Dino. <laughs> here's one for you, Dino Veal Scalopini. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> Did you know that Bam Margera like escaped from his rehab center and <laughs> they could not find him? <laughs> what? Is he, uh, is, are him and Ezra Miller <laughs> both hiding in the same pocket dimension? <laughs> I have no clue. And for any of the listeners that didn't understand how I jumped from Veal Scalapini to Bam Margera, um, there was a, <laughs> what I believe to be short-lived show, but it was actually five or more seasons um, on MTV or VH1 called Viva La Bam. And his uncle Vito, I believe. Yes, um, Don Vito. R.I.P. Yeah, Don Vito. Rest in power, King. Rest in power. It's difficult to say it was a catchphrase, but it was one of the things that he just ordered consistently and they would always riff on about. And this one episode where I, I, I don't know if they scared was it, him. Was, or, it the fat, was it the fat boy face off? I want to say it was think, probably that episode. I think so. And he was just really flustered. <laughs> and after like, like just muttering some incoherent <laughs> gibberish, he just said veal scallopini. <laughs> And ever since then, Michael and I have joked about Veal Scalapini <laughs> consistently. Um, and also, oh, viewers are listening with their ears, not with their eyes. I, uh, as I said, Veal Scalapini, I was like shaking my head vigorously left to right. You gotta have so to. So if you ever want to, it's like want to try it. That's how it's you like do it. boss. It's like if, you're, if it's like when I do my boss Nass impression from uh, from. Star yeah, Wars imagine doing one. a Nixon <laughs> impression. Yeah, yeah, do a Nixon impression and yeah, say Veal Scalapini. That's pretty close. Just high up the pitch a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Cool. Yeah. We're really, we're so, really uh, getting our start. We're, we're this tonight's a little looser. I'm digging it. I'm totally having yeah. fun with it. It's all good. We love Dino Cannoli. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to make like I'm trying to make a really on. There's actually well the thing is too like it's like there's actually a lot of relational sort of like subtext about the family you find or the family you choose and stuff in this episode because mm. it's you know the whole conceit of the episode is arnold is torn between his loyalty to grandma and also like his burgeoning relationship with ernie when mm. the thing is like you know it's actually they've you know you know they shed some light in the previous episode in arnold's hat about the fact that you know arnold's parents arnold's only connection to his parents is his, is his hat we don't know what happened yes. to them we don't know if they're dead we don't know if they're whatever as far as, as far as we know, his great grandparents mm -hmm. are cool and everything, but this is the first time, and it certainly isn't the last, that we see Arnold sort of looking for mentorship and whatnot in other adult male figures. I would argue yes. that there's very there are very few adults here who are stable people. There's there's some good mm -hmm. ones for the most part, but yeah, you know he's earnestly like he likes spending time with Ernie. He you know if he gets to yeah destroy things he gets to reach and pull yeah. like who who wouldn't boy you know stuff. what i mean boy stuff yeah. yeah whereas yeah ernie gets in ernie's actually really emotionally like candid and vulnerable with arnold in this episode too so it's kind of yeah. hard to just like paint him as like the bad guy because he's like i've been let down a lot in my life arnold I've, and i don't you know i don't really didn't really have time to come up with a son before that before my 500th demolition and all this stuff you know like 
He goes tender. Didn't he say he 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 can't he can't experience another heartache or something along those lines? He can't he can't take one more disappointment. (laughs) Dot dot dot. Son. (laughs) And then that's followed closely by by Grandma's. Oh, Arnold! Just wanted to thank you for helping me on the big campaign. It's you and me, Arnold, standing together, side by side, against them all. You won't let me down, will you? To be fair, (laughs) I think Grandma. To be fair, I think after the whole lockjaw thing, I think Arnold probably owed his grandma a solid. Mm. At the very yeah, least, like, breaking and entering a little bit. So I, I kind of get yeah. it. But I mean, shoot, man, my grandma lays it on real thick, too. And a lot of times I'm just like, mm-hmm. Yeah, it was guilt trip to the max. A little on. bit, a little bit. So a little less. From both ends. Okay, but... yeah. So actually, let's look at your, I mean, your running tally. Who do you mm. think comes, who do you think is comes through more for Arnold here because like grandma's kind of wrapped up with the circle theater. We get another attempt at Arnold trying to solicit advice from grandpa, which he, (laughs) he, he, he quickly, he quickly sidesteps. Yeah. So it was, it was difficult for this one because they both have the opportunity to be a good role model for him. And I need to challenge myself to not put N.A. Like, mm. <laughs> unless they are not in the episode, yeah. I think we need to make a call. And I did have to put Grandma here. Yes. Because I feel that where Grandpa kind of, like, backed away from taking responsibility, Grandma in this episode, at least at Brass Tacks, showed that you can stand up for what you believe to be important and what you believe in. And it wasn't out of, like, any crazy, ridiculous reasoning either. In this case, at least, um, you know, she, she, the theater means something to her yeah. and the theater means something to the city. And, um, obviously by the resolution of the episode means something to even Ernie, um, to mm-hmm. a degree as well. So yeah, grandma takes the episode, which puts her up two to one. That's a good point. You know, she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's totally in the right. I would say she shows some good, uh, some good character traits. Yeah. She, she definitely sticks. Say. She definitely sticks to her guns. And my friend, uh, my friend Mia was actually DMing me today about how Grandma totally radicalized them as a child. And I forgot. Yeah, this yes. is not the first. This is only the first time we're gonna see Grandma chain herself to something out of principle. Yes. So, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Whereas Grandpa's, what was Grandpa's excuse to get out of the conversation? <laughs> Can we get a line reading from you, please? So, let me just say. <laughs> Because how many uh, times are you, how many chances are you going to get to drive a wrecking ball? It makes sense to me. Exactly. I write my notes verbatim and they're my responses. So my first was, oh, grandpa getting plus points as the confidant. And then I put, now you got a problem. (laughs) Well, there's only one thing you can do. And then he says, shoot fire. It's time for my medication. (laughs) Don't call me. I'll call you. (laughs) And then fucking just runs down like off the roof. Gets out of here shoot fire <laughs> <laughs> so yeah he shirked his responsibilities a little bit you know he he, he cut a, he cut a couple corners there but yeah it's tough you know his wife is i think he was probably stressed out pookie pookie wasn't listening to reason at least according to him yeah major uh major tower of terror og tower of terror hotel lobby vibes when arnold goes into the circle theater i've oh beautifully yeah. drawn though. yeah absolutely that was really cool like mm-hmm. seeing it and it was like a nice Especially getting to see the theater in its prime in the flashback first, where Grandpa looks yeah. looks straight up like Vincent Price. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Would you like to dance? I think is what he says. Oh <laughs> how he says it. God, and the songs play. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I know, man. Like I, I always wonder if there was a full-length version of this. So we get a couple more Dino Spumoni not... bangers as we go. I always think you better not touch my gals in this episode, but I think it comes later in the season. No. But Yeah. And the song just ends at, um, what's it called? Oh, I'll smash them all. And then the little, like, Darling, I'll take the blame. Ah, so good. I do love the, uh, I think in terms of little music things, I like the hyper fast little mayoral campaign march that we get. I thought we recalled her. Dead-eyed mayor. So we hate we hate the mayor, right? We hate her. I mean, I think so. I guess. Okay. Authority figures are. It's actually kind of like you know, in a weird parallel, and it, you might you might you could probably speak more to this because you've read so much of his work. But 
I was watching Stand By Me earlier today, and that movie, you know, mm. that, like, Hey Arnold really humanizes children, gives them, you know, their people with hopes and dreams and fears and full internal lives. Adults, you know, and, I'm, and like, I was drawing parallels to it and whatnot, like, adults, I'm not sure what, like, Stephen King's sort yeah. of hang-up was with adults, but, yeah, like, the adults are written to be kind of, like, one-note kind of simpletons for the that's the nicest mm-hmm. way i can put it i mean gordy's dad sure his his older son uh denny played by uh john cusack is dead but he's like why can't you have friends like denny's like he might as well have been like wrong kid died <laughs> well what are you afraid really was what like are you afraid i'm gonna say died. the wrong kid died <laughs> yeah I won't say that I'm an expert on like Stephen King's like okay. influences uh-huh. and and references, but you are entirely correct that there's there's almost this issue with authority that is used as a catalyst to define the child character, right? Because you don't just have this supernatural being that's threatening the town of Derry, but you also have this very real physical being that's threatening each one of the kids in their own way, right? Whether it's the kind of like sharp dismissiveness of um, of Bill's parents, right? Or you have the kind of like over-encroaching mom with... Uh, oh, uh, Eddie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Eddie's mom, right? Um, you have Beverly's dad who, you know, that, that situation can speak for itself. You just kind of have this like between a rock and a hard place for them that the only place they can escape is through their imagination and it's almost poetic justice Arnold, that, that yeah, becomes Arnold very much what does they the can same. fight back yeah. with. Arnold very yeah. much does the same thing and he always kind of finds the resolution of this episode is interesting to me too. Like the the takeaway mm. that I get is like, no, it's okay if we don't get along like as long as we all like the same music <laughs> or whatever. He's like, or, you know, Absolutely. at the end of the day appealing to like, hey, Dino Spumoni is the... Uh, common denominator here between my grandma and Ernie and you know let's just both appeal to their sentiment their respective they're different but equally valid sentimental attachment to his music like Mm -hmm. Ernie literally like non-consensually ballroom dances (laughs) with Dino for a spell there I always forget he twirls (laughs) he really does and sings extremely off key (laughs) is not able to follow the jazz no no there's something really, really intelligent, but also very in your face about the song being about like breaking things. It scares the bricks. You know, exactly. And then that also being like something that's super important and the reason why Pookie doesn't want it mm-hmm. to be broken down. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's definitely not hidden by any means. No, totally, totally. It's a it's a well used motif. Mm-hmm. Mm. Love that song. Yeah, I, that I, I wound up I wound up liking this episode a lot more than I ever have upon this next one. Yeah. But yeah, it's I think oh yeah, just to wrap up that thread about the sort of adult relationships, it's like you know when you're a kid, you kind of and this is something that I've seen a lot as in my line of work where you know like when mm. you know when you're a kid, you you kind of look at the adults around you as like they're trying to they're the ones who are like trying to show me how things are supposed to go or how I'm supposed to do or deal with any of this but you know in this case at least here in hey arnold by and large we see that the pro the the adults they have no idea what they're doing they have just as much idea what they're doing that the kids do which that is to say not a whole lot so it's kind of like yeah it sort of levels the playing field it's like you know what i have to figure out my own way of dealing with this like i have to sort of like come up with my own solution which i am fully capable of you know especially when it's like you never really know what you're capable of doing until you don't really know what else is at, you know is at your disposal. Then you just sort of find your Absolutely. own way around it. But good on Arnold for that. Yeah. No, and I love this too because, yeah, like not to go too kind of like deep in things, but there's also a layer of like generational dissonance to that too, right? Where mm-hmm. it's there's, there's very different reasons why Ernie – and grandma built their relationships with Dino Spumoni's music, who may or may not be as relevant to Arnold and his and his like age group or demographic now. And then you think about how, I mean, if we're if we're showcasing it in our own lives, right? Like our parents lived in a very different time and grew up in a very different time than we did, so the expertise they bring to the table has lost relevance. Doesn't mean that it's not valuable. 
but it's lost relevance. Um, the the problems of the present are almost solved better by people who grew up to face them, as opposed to applying historic <laughs> knowledge to new problems. I term limits. Oh my god. <laughs> edit that part out topical it's okay it's okay <laughs> yeah i think much yeah, much no, like I mean... the show we much like the episodes of hey arnold themselves i think we're really hit finding our voice and hitting our stride and stuff so i'm i'm, I'm digging this right now very very yeah. substantially yeah arnold's an asshole little... again <laughs> just kidding he was not really an asshole this episode but not i do mm-hmm. i do like how um i think it was dino said for posteriority and then Ernie follows it up with like a really impressive vocab word by saying it would be sacrilege to break the building. Oh, that's a good point. He does. He does say that. Very impressive. I know. I, I'm gonna try to. I need to keep more of an eye out for like the gem because like there's the there's the lines that I already know really well, but I'm gonna have to keep out, look out for all those hidden gems, even if it's just a word or a specific delivery and whatnot. So I'm I'm definitely gonna fine tune my radars there as we go. Yeah. <laughs> I am happy to continue to surface them. Thank you. Because Appreciate that. That's how my brain works. Well, we bring out, I mean, it's clear, like, you know, the, the best of friendships, you know, you really bring out the best, end up bringing out the best in each other and whatnot. So, like, if this is mm. a conduit to that, I'm all, I'm all for it, you know? Wow, cute. Joss, I, I believe that. Believe, you better believe that, baby. Better believe that, baby. Let me tag you back. So, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think those, that's all we got for this one. I think, yeah. I believe... Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I'm going to listen to that song. Uh, yes, absolutely. So thank you again for joining us on this ride. If you have any questions or uh, comments or curiosities that you'd like to share with us, feel free to DM us on Twitter or Instagram or email us at pc118pod at gmail.com. Uh, dude, I cannot express my excitement for next week because we will be covering sixth grade girls mm-hmm. and the baseball one of my favorite one of my favorite episode pairings and the week after that it's going to get even better in its own way but yeah y'all i think that's all we got there for you um so i think the sort of the key lessons here are stay true to who you are gender norms be damned try to find your if you only see two options make your own third and of course as always is the lesson here at Podcast 118, never eat raspberries, shoot fire, got to go take my medication. 